Our last episode as a three-part series for the Chamber of Minerals and Energy with the Surface Emergency Response Competition comes your way in just a couple of moments. We review the scenarios with Reuben Campbell, who was one of the adjudicators. He was the chief steward with his pacer pen. Uh, also, our, our man Doc Neeson gives us a fairly good rundown as well on the proceedings and how some of those skills gained during the competition will be back and implemented on site as well. Thanks to the Chamber of Minerals and Energy WA and their Goldfields office helping us jump on board with the surface emergency response coverage. This is part three of the Crib Room podcast featuring Reuben Campbell. We pick things up to talk about all of the scenarios as part of the 2023 surface emergency response competition at Norton Goldfields Paddington Operations. This is a Crib Room podcast. Ruben is back with us to give us a bit more of an idea on some of those exercises and we can reveal more now, obviously, because we like to keep things very closed, don't we, Ruben? We don't like these teams to know anything at all until they get to the site. Look, absolutely. Uh, we, we certainly don't want to give any of the secrets away for the events for the team, so we have to be very tight-lipped about that. Um, one, because, of course, it is a competition and you know, there is competitiveness out there and we don't want to give people an unfair advantage. But also, too, I think it, it sort of misses the point. You, if people can prepare too well for it, then I think it kind of misses the point because that's not how emergencies work. Let's go through these scenarios. We'll start off with Rope Rescue and uh, this was a nice early one for the Thunderbox team from Northern Star to get stuck into on Saturday morning. But tell us about how the Rope Rescue went. Oh, look, the Rope Rescue event was was quite interesting, and uh, I have to admit I'm a little bit biased. Thunderbox is a bit of a favourite of mine. Um, look, certainly Rope Rescue events, uh, they, they're usually... Um, simple in their in their outlay. The, the process to conduct a, a rescue at heights usually fairly straightforward, but it's normally the devil's in the details for the team. You know, finding access to suitable anchor points um, and getting that ability to um, uh, get their team members to where the the injured persons are um, in a safe and controlled way is really important. Um, so, look, certainly Thunderbox did quite well in that. Not as well as they'd like, um, but Rope Rescue was one of those... It's a technical skill. It's very, very specific. But, no, they did. They certainly did well. Confined Space was the the next uh, piece there. The team that started off their operations here was Kalgoorlie Operations for Northern Star. They had the Confined Space ready to go. What was that scenario? Now, the Confined Space, um, that one uh, was actually based on a real-life event that had occurred a number of years ago. And the event, essentially, a couple of workers were working inside the mill conducting reline works, which is a very standard procedure throughout industry. Um, obviously, as they wear out, you've got to repair them. Um, and during works one of the liners which is heavy steel plate mm. has uh, come away and landed on a worker and pinned the worker to the bottom of the mill so uh, look uh, very, very realistic scenario uh, and uh, confined space again very proceduralised if you follow the process you're usually in pretty good stead um, but as is always the case the devil's in the details and some teams did really well if they followed that process um, other teams didn't do so well. We had a couple of teams misunderstand things like the level of the atmosphere, injured some of their workers, theoretically, if you like, in the process. Um, and so, look, certainly it was a very realistic event, uh, and it's an event that has happened. 
Um, and you know, relining activities are a high-risk activity that are conducted every day in industry, so I think it's very, very applicable. The firefighting one, we got a great take on that one with Ian in episode two for our, our series, but uh, just to categorise that, that was a, a case where there was a, a tank on fire, there was a structure fire to deal with, and there was also some, some people that were inside of that one. That's probably my loose overview. Ian's given us a bit more in regards to the firefighting. From there, the team skills environment was one that involved a stretcher and a medicine ball. Correct. Now, how does that work? Because... Normally a person goes on that stretcher, but this is a bit more of a different scenario. This is where all of the team have to use their skills combined, some communication. In fact, not some communication, it's heavily communicated. Um, tell us this scenario. So look, team skills as, a, as an event type is normally a fairly mixed bag. It's not necessarily based on a specific event type or outcome. It's designed deliberately to test the team's ability to communicate, um, and the uh, captain's ability to delegate and control team members doing activities that are left of centre, for want of a better word. They're usually fairly abstract, and this one was certainly the case. So the activity broadly, um, there was a medicine ball that was toxic um, that had to be placed in the middle of the stretcher, uh, and that had to be carried through a course over a, a number of different obstacles, over uh, piles of rocks, underneath cable drums, uh, around corners... Uh, all the while, uh, two of their team members were having to conduct CPR on a mannequin at the start of the event. Um, and for anybody who's uh, had that training, CPR is really hard work. Uh, and the event runs for 45 minutes. So the longer the team takes to conduct the obstacle course where they had to get to a uh, defibrillator at the other end to bring back to the mannequin to complete the activity, um, the longer they take the more their team members are getting worked. Wow. So there's a, a real uh, sense of urgency to get back as quick as you can because your team members are working really hard. But, of course, the faster you move, the more likely you are for that medicine ball to move around the stretcher where it, 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 the intent was for that it doesn't touch the sides. Every time it touched the sides, there was a penalty applied. So there was a balance between moving quickly and rushing to save your team members whilst having to try and maintain the balance of the stretcher over obstacles, which, you know, a ball doesn't really want to stay in the middle very easily. No. So uh, a really interesting activity um, to allow the captain to manage different facets of the team. So who was stronger to lift and who was smaller to squeeze through spaces and who had the best capacity to manage the CPR for that long time. So really interesting to see how the captains carve their teams up to complete different distracting activities. We spoke to Craig Deason a bit about that one, but also the vehicle extrication and the first aid was combined for this event as well. This was based on a real-life scenario, or what could be a real-life scenario, potentially Gidgee Strait for the, you know, the Norton Goldfields mine. Um, but you're looking at uh, eight vehicles, I think, were involved in this one. Is that correct? number of vehicles were involved, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, look, mo yeah, multiple car vehicle accidents happen every day on our roads everywhere around the country. Uh, so certainly really uh, based in some, in some hard truth. Um, and certainly personally um, in the industry I've responded to a near, near identical events where we've had vehicle head-on collisions um, that have resulted in fatalities and it's, it's an everyday thing. Our, our DFES guys deal with this daily and I think it's a very real risk. You know, as some of our, uh, our people, we work long shifts, you know, they're on some backwater roads that's not well lit you know, so the, the likelihood of this happening is very real and uh, I think it really drives a solid message home um, about how we need to be safe at work all the time um, 
And whilst our emergency responders, they're trained really well and they understand what they have to do, um, we don't ever want to have to call that service. Craig did make a couple of points. I mentioned that uh, as soon as you start to, you know, it's cut up vehicles, your pressure, you're applying, that it, it changes the whole dynamic of your scenario as well. So you need to be very aware that if you're going to have an action here, there's going to be a reaction, potential reaction as well, somewhere else within the scenario or within that um, exercise. Look, absolutely. And with vehicle extrication in particular, um, uh, you have to appreciate that when a car is in its normal state, it's balanced, it sits on its wheels and it doesn't go anywhere. Um, but if we've now crashed it into a tree or another object, all of those normal things, those balances are not there and you don't know what's holding the car in the way it is, you know. So, like you said, if we, we a door that's been crushed into the side of the car may well be the only thing that's holding it together. And if we remove that, mm. suddenly there's a chance that we can make things much, much worse. So it's certainly very much about understanding where it got to, how it got there, and what is likely to happen in the next move. Because what may be the most obvious pathway for rescue may not actually be the best. We may need to take a much longer way around. The IMT exercise, talk us through that one. This one's a bit more of a theory base, is it? So the IMT, so the Incident Management Team-based scenario, that is designed primarily to try and test our senior management. So that's to encourage senior managers from the operation to come. Um, in a high-level event uh, where the leadership team has to be called together to help manage uh, the emergency. So, of course, we've got the emergency responders doing the uh, the hard yards at the front line, but in the back, the, the bit that we don't often see is the leaders of the organisation managing all of the impacts of that, and that might be dealing with uh, family, that might be dealing with the regulator, that might be dealing with emergency uh, external emergency services like St John Ambulance, mm. that could also be dealing with the media, um, dealing with shareholders. You know, these are all important parts of the business, and someone has to do that hard work. Uh, so the exercise is deliberately designed to stress test um, some of our senior leaders and put them in a position where they have to think about all of these things and how do they liaise with their emergency response team? What resources do they need? What do we need to prepare? Do we need to organise a relief team? Do we have to... You know, do we need to arrange for a media release? Do we need to speak to shareholders depending on the event type? Sure. Um, and it's really, really designed to put them under the pump. Uh, this particular event involved... Uh, a major cyanide spill um, involved a, a road train with cattle um, that were, since uh, the, the, the road train's tipped over, there's cattle wandering through the incident scene, spreading cyanide near and far, um, amongst, and there's people involved as well. You know, So uh, it might sound a bit strange, uh, but again, these sorts of events can happen. Um, and uh, I, I can tell you a story another day, perhaps, of a cattle uh, truck that tipped over south of Perth and there was cattle wandering through uh, south and, uh, the southern suburbs all over the freeway for a number of days, causing chaos. So these events can happen, even though they sound a little bit far-fetched. They're, they're based in truth. You want to plan for the worst, but if that's not the case, it's, it's probably better to come back from there, isn't there? Ruben, the last one we talk about is the hazmat. Tell, tell, talk us through this scenario, what were the... Uh, teams were greeted with? So with the hazmat scenario, uh, again, we try to base um, our activities in everyday jobs, you know, so people can see them. So uh, the scenario is essentially that there's a couple of workers uh, picking up some leftover um, uh, acids from the plant, just picking up slurries and stuff that's been spilt, um, you know, just doing general clean-up duties essentially. 
Um, the, the truck's pulled up near an area. There's been a forklift trying to load some equipment and the forklift has speared the size of a bulk container of waste acid. Um, of course, that's spilt out and it's spilt all over one of the workers. Um, and the team is presented with the two workers at the incident scene and uh, one of them is currently under the shower trying to decontaminate themselves. But, of course, they've been quite severely burned, um, including to their skin, um, as well as inhalation, so, you know, airway burns. Uh, so uh, our team's presented with that case. There's two patients, uh, and they need to go in and decontaminate that individual because they've been covered in a nasty acid, and we mm. can't afford to... Obviously, we've got to clean them, but we don't want to expose anybody else to that. So there's quite a fairly rigid process in managing that. So that, that was a look at some of the scenarios that were dealt to the teams. BHP, Nickel West, Goldfield, St Ives, Northern Star, KCGM, Kalgoorlie Operations and also Thunderbox, plus the Norton Goldfields, Paddington and Mungari FMR Mutual Aid team as well. I couldn't give you the exact details. Look, certainly Paddington uh, performed exceptionally well over the, uh, the, the weekend and took away a number of gongs. Um, uh, Thunderbox did well uh, as a fairly junior team. So isn't it great to see that there's always um, the, the opportunity for growth for these teams? And as you, you speak about, you know, a, a young team at Thunderbox that obviously, or a young experienced team, that obviously relates to some, some experience now that's going to go back to site because they've gone through the process of one of the competitions to be able to put their skills to the test. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the, uh, the biggest benefits they have coming away from these competitions, particularly for first-time attendees, is they gain so much experience and develop so much skill in a relatively short period of time and they get to finally piece together the final pieces of the puzzle. At site, of course, we conduct training and we don't necessarily have all the facilities to create these sorts of events. Uh, so it sometimes can feel a little bit abstract and a little bit strange, but when we've got all of the resourcing that we have available for these competitions um, to make these events so real... Um, I think team members piece it together and really appreciate it and they become converts and they go back to sites and not just help with the training for the existing team members that weren't able to come but they're able to communicate to the other members at the site and encourage them to become, become part of the team and it just sends a really positive message uh, for, for something that is often misunderstood. Um, because people don't see it or understand it necessarily. So really positive effect for the operations and uh, a really, really significant uh, training and skill boost for those who attend. Ruben, put your Deputy Chair hat on, Deputy Chair of Merck. How do you rate the uh, the weekend surface emergency response comp? Oh, fantastic. Uh, I love it. 10 out of 10 every time. Um, you know, Perhaps I'm a bit biased. Look, certainly as, a, um, as one of the chief adjudicators, it is an exhausting and tiring weekend. It is just non-stop, go, go, go for us. Um, but I love every minute of it. Um, whether I've been a, comp been a competitor, whether I've helped to adjudicate, run an event or uh, this year as the chief adjudicator, every part of it is fantastic. And uh, uh, I'll come back again every year without a doubt. So, Craig, we had the opportunity to catch up before the event, during the event, and now post the event. Uh, some feedback, I guess, from your team, because you had a mutual aid team with FMR Investments. How did your team get, put themselves out there with the emergency response comp? Yeah, they, um, yeah, they, they, they went really well. Look, they, they enjoyed the experience. Um, they went in knowing that they were an extremely inexperienced team. Um, and the really good thing about the way the team prepared is they started by setting themselves some goals to achieve. And some of them were tangible goals about, you know, some silverware they might want to take home. 
Um, and the, but the, the really important goals that they set were those altruistic, sort of less tangible goals. Now, things like, um, essentially, at the end of the weekend, they wanted to be able to get together with each other, put their hand on their heart and agree that they have truly improved their capabilities to respond to and deal with any event that might happen on site or within the region, just recognising that extra community piece mm. that goes along with Mine Rescue. Um, they also um, wanted to strengthen mutual aid ties and partnerships and to really get a good understanding about how different operations would need to come together in the event that something does go wrong on site. And the really pleasing thing is, on the Sunday afternoon, they were able to get together and reflect on those goals and they all agreed hands down without without any question that they'd achieved everything they needed to, to achieve for the weekend. That's so pleasing is, you, I suppose you're their boss, you're their director of report. Uh, yeah. That must be pretty pleasing for you to see your team achieve their goals as well. Look, the, 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 whole, the, whole, um, the whole team at Evolution was really proud of them, um, right through from the, the health and safety advisors and ER coordinator who, who helped them prepare, um, through the training providers that we used and, and that do use throughout the year. Uh, yeah, everybody across the board was really happy with how they performed. Um, the sustainability managers really happily and the, and the general manager was really happy about how the team went. It's fantastic to see, mate. Now, what does that mean for you when, when the team members go back to site and they do their individual roles? Uh, how do you feel that that's going to impact them on a daily basis? Look, so day to day, I think the, um, the main impact is going to be they really want to get back and share everything they've learnt with everybody. So that's everybody else in the mine rescue team who wasn't able to participate, but also their colleagues in the workplace, and really, um, and to get them to um, get involved and embrace the you know the notion of of, of mine emergency response and, and start to become involved, uh, spread the word so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Look, we're gonna we're gonna ride that wave as every other team is. We're gonna ride that wave for the next twelve months and use that to really strengthen and develop our emergency response capabilities on site. We caught up when we were out on site on Saturday as the response was underway over the first day. The second day uh, was just as challenging as well for many teams but uh, what was your feedback from the other teams that, that were participating in the event and some of the, uh, the the reactions to scenarios, whether they be the medicine ball on the stretcher all the way through to, uh, I suppose, the, 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 the mill reline scenario as well? Yeah, look, yeah, really good question. Look, there was there was um, there were some common themes that were that were that were coming through. So you you know you were talking about the, the medicine ball scenario that was the, the team skills event, mm. uh, a bit of an abstract event to sort of test a team's ability to you know to to um, to communicate effectively and you know and work together in any given situation. Uh, lots of feedback about that being a really enjoyable event, a very challenging event because it's not it's not really something that you can prepare for. You can't. You can't sort of come up with a system whereby you're going to roll out a hose and connect to water and get the pump running. You really do need to just read everything as it comes and roll with it. That particular event was voted best scenario by all of the teams and that just indicates how much they enjoyed it. Uh, The confined space rescue scenario, everyone really embraced um, how realistic the scenario was. In fact, that was based on an event that has happened previously uh, and and could happen again. Um, right through to the hazmat event, you know, mm. the, the, the realism of having that in an operational environment in a processing plant, and yeah. the, that was the things that were the things that the teams really appreciated was yeah. was how um, down to earth, realistic those events were. As a uh, as a as your role on site, uh, having your team have this sort of experience with the scenarios, and that many of them are real life scenarios, as we pointed out, but they can, many of them are also potential real life scenarios too. The the vehicle extrication and first aid one. I mean, Evolution travel Great Eastern Highway to get to your Mungari operations. There's there's a lot that goes on on that particular stretch of road now. Yeah, that's right. And that um, look, that particular event replicates uh, an incident that happens um, all too often 
uh, and not just in the resources sector, but just in the community at large. Uh, and uh, you know, you could you could base that on any number of events that have probably even happened this year. Yeah. Looking at the night last night, though, mate, you're pretty fresh this morning. It was a big celebration night, though. There was, yeah. So look, um, yeah. So look, a new role for me as the as the MC. Um, and, and a look at an honour and, and and a privilege as well to you know to to um, to be part of that um, you know r- right at the start the you know the 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 welcome to country that we had was was extremely moving um, the teams were were gentle with me and the crowd was gentle with me and I recognised it was my first time up there. Um, Everyone was well behaved. I think we might have a few sore heads this morning. Okay, but look, I I was definitely mindful of the of the mantle that that uh, Jim Philov had handed over, and uh, I I didn't have a beer until the last minute. That's if I can tell you that right now. And I definitely did not hit the town to celebrate with the teams. I was straight to bed, mate. Lovely, and you're looking fresh and dapper and very crisp on this morning afterwards as well. Um, well done to the, the winners last night. The overall winner, geez, they've got a, a mountain of success behind themselves too, uh, but also at the same time they've got a mountain of uh, professionalism and drive from their leader. Mate, they they did a phenomenal job. Every team's done an incredible job, but the the local team taking taking it home, you know, all the way. Um, look, you could talk about the preparation they did going into the competition, but you've really got to acknowledge the consistency with that team right throughout the year. Ian Gordon um, is known as someone who can build capable teams. He he's great at um, inspiring people. He's great at sort of you know transferring that passion that he has. Uh, and one of the things that he does really well is ensure consistency right throughout the year. So I think what we saw over the weekend, sure, a bit of preparation before the competition, but ultimately it's the consistency that they have right through their training. And we heard that from Ian in episode two as well. There was a, a chance after we spoke with you on site, mate, to um, catch up with a few different people who are around the place, but Ian Gordon, his team from Norton Goldfields, uh, the overall winner for the Surface Emergency Response Competition, but just having a listen to him, do yourself a favour. I know you haven't heard it yet because it's all being put together, but episode two is quite something for me. Excellent. Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to looking forward to the podcast as it unrolls. Um, and look, I can't say it enough. Norton Goldfields and Ian, in particular, uh, have been a phenomenal mutual aid partner for Evolution, uh, and we're just yeah the, that partnership is going from strength to strength in our mutual aid training. Mate, yeah. you are well respected within the industry, and we appreciate you jumping on board, mate. I hope this was a bit easier than your MC stuff from last night. Uh, it was. You know what? Yeah, it was. And uh, look, um, love the opportunity. Thank Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Uh, and in the meantime, anyone who's watching or listening, um, stay safe. Take everything you've done this weekend back to site and share it with everybody else like I know This is will. a Crib Room podcast. Thanks again to everybody who contributed to our three-part series. We started it off and closed it up with Craig Doc Neeson. We had Reuben Campbell join us as well off minimal sleep in the first episode, but that continued to be very insightful over a couple of days. Carly Andruski from the Chamber of Commerce and Energy as the competition coordinator, and alongside her as well we had Ian Gordon from the Norton Goldfields Paddington Operations, who did pick up quite a few awards as part of the 2023 Surface Emergency Response Competition. Norton Goldfields Paddington picked up the Hazardous Materials Management, First Aid, Firefighting, Confined Space, Theory, Team Skills, Overall First Aid, Vehicle Extrication, 
alongside the Theory Individual for Brandon Ovens from Norton Goldfields Paddington and the best team. So congratulations to Norton Goldfields Paddington. Uh, the other winners for the different scenarios included for Rope Rescue, Northern Star, KCGM and also for Team Safety. They also picked up the second place award as well. Uh, picking up some awards for the best scenario was Team Skills. The incident management was Leith Evans from Northern Star Kalgoorlie Operations and the Chief Adjudicator for Confined Space. Chloe Hicks, congratulations there. Alongside the best new captain when Boran Hanna from Murray and also best captain Boran Hanna as well. The best new team was Northern Star Thunderbox and they also picked up the overall BA skills Northern Star Thunderbox and the best team third place went to Thunderbox as well. So congratulations to all those who were winners on a very, very big weekend for emergency response competition in the goldfields. Now, some of the great sponsors who have helped make a very big weekend possible include Gastech, Australasian Response Group, ARG, PWR, Draeger, ISH24, Demers, Goldfields, Archer Access, Mindtech, MineArc Systems, Baseline On-Site, Fire Rescue Safety Australia, Interfire Agencies, BHP, Core, SETS, TACMED Australia, uh, Protex S&H, alongside Zinjin Norton Goldfields, Off-Road Trucks Australia, Orica, Frontline Fire and Rescue, Northern Star, Parabellum International, OHMS Hygiene, ERGT, Pens, Crane and Cartage, Fire Suppression, Evolution Mining, Goldfields Truck and Plant Hire, Perimeter Solutions, Astor Consultants, Access Hire Australia, Underground Rock Drill, BOC, Goldfields Physio, GeoRes Services, Western Diagnostic Pathology, Acute Fabrication, Emijor Services, Leeson Electrical, Power Talk Engineering, Worthy Parts, Mining Plus, Leak Test Australia, MEWP Shield, Industry FX and minerescue.au. Well done to all of those sponsors who have helped jump on board to make a very successful event happen for the CME. Uh, we're back with another Crib Room podcast. Episode 3 in Series 4 is coming your way very soon. We talk to a Managing Director of Petricor Solutions. Grace Schrader is our guest on the next episode of the Crib Room podcast. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com.